if you have a song and you're having to kind of fill in theological gaps because it's so unclear or it's misleading that you know now have to make it easier for people to sing it or else you might be leading people astray. You're listening to the Theology of Music podcast, the only podcast where we unpack the good and sometimes bad theology in the songs that we sing. My name is Pastor Joel. Welcome again to the Theology of Music podcast. My name is Pastor Joel, and today we're going to take a look at the song, Goodness of God by Bethel Music. Now, you might be thinking, Joel, I thought Bethel Music wasn't a good place. That is up to you. I do not support uh, Bethel in this in the sense that I don't believe that the, the pastor himself is in the right. But I also would like to direct you back to Considering the Source, which is a podcast that I released when, uh, when for people thinking about um, about the source from, from which they get the songs for Sunday morning, right? So that is uh, more up to you to just go and listen to. I don't want to spend the time here. Uh, I just want to get into the song. I really actually enjoy this song. One of the, the versions I really enjoy the most, though, is the one by One Sonic Society, and I think it's with Jason Ingram, who is one of the uh, credited uh, authors here. And so Goodness of God was written by Jason Ingram, Brian Johnson, Ed Cash, Ben Fielding, and Jen Johnson. And it was released in 2019 off of Bethel Music's uh, Victory album. And so one of my favorite parts about the song, especially that one version, actually is the music. I do like how the music progresses. There's this one version, the One Sonic Society version, where there's a really cool guitar part. And I actually modeled how I played electric guitar on one of the songs on the Grace Collective's latest album from how that electric guitarist played his part on this song. So I uh, I, I kind of am a little biased towards the song in the sense of liking it musically. And then the words. So I want to take a look at the words. Let's, Like I said, if you have an issue with Bethel and you don't know why I'm reviewing this song and why I'm looking at this song, you need to listen to the Consider the Source podcast. So what you get from this song is you get a good sense of uh, who the Lord is from this song. Obviously, I would hope that would be the case. If the song is titled "Goodness of God," but you get you get some themes like uh, how the Lord is he can be trusted, how He's faithful, uh, how God can can walk with us through through the trials of that we face in this world, and uh, and that His His mercy and goodness are with us. Uh, it's which it's really nice because it does uh, remind you of Psalm twenty three. And what I really like is the this website that I've mentioned before, the Brian Test does a really good job kind of talking about that. Um, there's a part in the bridge that I know that some people have an issue with, and it's that idea that your goodness is running after, it's running after me, right? And it feels very man-centric, which I'm I totally understand and I have been in that in that arena in many with many songs, right? I've been on that side thinking, no, I don't like how man-centric this song is, right? I I think while you have man-centric themes, I don't think this song itself is man-centric. And I think the Brian Test does a really good job kind of saying, it reminds me a lot of Psalm 23. It's almost a very Psalm 23 song in, in its, its uh, delivery and its, um, its implementation. Because Psalm 23 is, is, a, is talking about the Lord, yes, but it's in relation to us. Uh, and so... I think this song does a good job of balancing man versus God-centric kind of themes. I think it does a good job with those two. So the first verse 
says this. It says, I love you, Lord, for your mercy never failed me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. So I like that the song starts with a, just a, I love you, Lord. I don't know how many times you say that during your your day, but I know that I could say that more during my day. I like that your for your mercies never failed me. Now, some people might look at that and go, oh, it's very me-centered. Your mercies never failed me. Get I get it, right? I think there's a little bit of semantics there. Yes, they could have changed the lyrics to um, for your your mercy is is never failing. Sure, you know. The me part does make it more personal, makes it more relational. All my days have been held in your hands. I do like that. That that points to the sovereignty of God. And from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of of God. I love I do like that declarative. I want to be talking about the Lord all day. And I think we would all do well to do that. I don't think we we talk about the goodness of God too much. I think even right now in this culture, it's really easy not to because there is there's so much going on in the world that I think a lot, a lot of us may point to that is that is negative. Uh, and I, I don't think we need to point to that and say that it, it's, it is as negative as we say. And then the, the chorus is, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. Now, <laughs> so I make these jokes. There's this, there's this funny trend in Christian music, especially congregational music, in that when someone, sing, when someone writes a song that blows up and becomes a big song in, in the congregational worship circuit, right, those either a phrase or a theme is then going to be present in, a, in many songs that are written afterwards. And so Reckless Love was a song that talked about how you were so, so good to me, right? So, so kind to me, so, so good to me, right? And then you started to see so, so good in many, 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 many songs. Now, you can say I'm exaggerating, but a lot of the big songs afterwards uh, that that came out had some type of mention of God being so good. I mean, I even wrote a song that did that because I wanted to do that just to do it, right? And then it turned into actually a pretty, pretty good song. So, But what is good in that chorus is it does remind you that you're from the moment that you were born to your moment now until the moment you die, God will always be and has been faithful. God has never changed. That's that's James' language. That's that every good and perfect gift come down, comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no, no shadow or subject to change, right? God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He does not change. And I love that. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. That's, so I want to tell you a story real quick, and I, I, I want to be good about time, but I just was at a lunch function or whatever up here, and I interacted with a guy who was a chaplain f- uh, for the police force, and he well, was also a firefighter at one point, and his first day in his new transfer was 9-11 in New York. This guy was there at ground zero. This guy's older than me by, by a, a long shot. And he recently just lost his wife of 50-something years, right? Not even, gosh, not even th- three months ago. I mean, it was recent. And he desperately desires to be home with the Lord right now. And what struck me, though, was that he said, you know what, until then, though, I'll finish well. And when we left, this is the first time I ever met him, I hugged him and I said, hey, you know what, I hope I don't see you at the next function, that you do get to go home to be with the Lord, because I know that that would make you so happy. 
Um, but I, I rejoice knowing that if I do, you'll have used every breath to glorify the Lord. And I think of him now, and I think I will always think of him. His name's Jack. I will always think of Jack every time I think about with every breath that I am able. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. It was, I will never forget him. And I do hope, and this may sound weird to you, I do hope that I don't see him in a few months when we do this again, because he'll be home with Jesus. And so the second verse says this, I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. And in the darkest night, you are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. So I love your voice. A little ambiguous. You know, you could try to use that still small voice thing. I would just simply go to the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Scripture. That's his voice. And so when I think of that line, I think I love the word. I love your word. I love your scripture. That's David. I mean, that's psalmist language all over the place. And you've led me through the fire. I mean, you could, you could say that is reference to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That can just simply be Psalm 23. That could be Psalm 66, which is talking about how uh, he, he blessed the Lord. Well, bless, O oh God, he, uh, he keeps us in, he keeps our lives. He doesn't let our feet slip. You have refined us as silver to be refined. You have brought us into the net. You have laid oppressive burden upon our loins. It's all about that that God has refined you and disciplined you, but he's also kept you from falling ultimately. Uh, And that God keeps you even though you may go through the fire and it may be even his fire. In the darkest night, you were close like no other. And I, I really do love that. I love that it's not only just that he is always with us, you know, it's the doctrine of his omnipresence, but is that we have him with us through his presence, through the Holy Spirit, right? I, I love that when, when you read Jesus kind of saying, look, I, I have to go because I'm going to send someone who, who is going to be with you, right? And, and, and I love, you know, the Apostle Paul in Romans says that, like, you, you, you have the Spirit of God dwelling inside you, right? And he is actually with you, always. We will never be outside of the presence of the Lord because Jesus himself, through the person of the Trinity, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit lives with us. But also we, we will always have him with us because God is always everywhere all the time. So his presence goes with us through the Spirit as well as through his just omnipresence of itself. And he is everywhere all the time. And so, and he is mindful of his flock, right? We are not outside of his family. We are within his family. So it doesn't matter what we're going through. He will always be with us. And I like that because then it transitions well like in, into knowing I've known you as a father, which is God the father, right? You've got that right there. We've got the relationships that he's our father, but he's uh, uh, my, you know, and, and Jesus even said, I, I made my father known to you and we are co-heirs with Christ. That means we are uh, we we are also sons and daughters of of the Lord, which scripture is very clear to say. But then as a friend, which I just think is really cool that, you know, we we are not only just sons and daughters, but we are considered friends of the Lord. And I know that at one point I said, I think it was with graves in the gardens or something like that. Um, I, I misspoke about being, I don't think God calls us friends or he was not intending to talk about us. It's, it's not wrong for us to consider ourselves friends of the Lord, right? It's not unbiblical. But I always want to be careful to think that that's the main thing, right? He is still our father, which means we still must be disciplined at times. We must be refined. Uh, and if we only think of the Lord or Jesus as a friend, 
then we don't see our sin as as serious as it does. And then we, we miss out on grace. And so let's go to the bridge. So like I said, the bridge, your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Now, some people not like the whole running after me portion. That's Psalm 23, 6, right? Surely goodness and mercy or loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So it's, it's, it does have some uh, language that it, it does go with us and it follows us. Now, running just, you know, I think it's a very poetic interpretation of that. And I think it also pulls from the prodigal son where the father ran to the son before the son, while the son was a long way off. And so it, it's this very romantic, uh, like, you know, lifetime movie-esque moment. And so it's, we can kind of romanticize our relationship with the Lord, which good and bad in, in, in different ways, but I think this song isn't off base biblically when you when you say that line. So that when I when I think of that, I think Psalm 23. So the song does that well. The song does well kind of unpacking some scriptural elements. And I think it's clear. I think an outsider would look at this song and the Brian Test did a good job saying it. They're gonna know it's Christian, right? I like that it says that the goodness of God is 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 there, right? And it's very God centric in that. So let's run it through the grid. Is it is it uh, congregationally friendly? Yeah, I think so. I don't think it ever really gets too high. Like you know, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you've been so so good. With every breath I don't sing. You know, so it's not really, it's not hard to follow. Your goodness, uh, the bridge. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Your goodness is running after. Running after me. Same melody. You know, you keep repeating that. Life laid out, surrender now. Give you everything. It has those moments where you have those victorious upswings in the melody. So I, I think it's congregationally friendly. Is it? Is it Christ exalting? So it doesn't really talk about Christ. I wouldn't even say it at all. Right? You don't really have any Christ mentioned. So there, there is no mention of Jesus or Christ. There really isn't any redemption, justification, sacrifice for sins. You know, there's, there really isn't anything on that. So it's not gospel-centered. It's not Christ-exalting. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's now, therefore, a terrible song. It's a simply very specific song, right? So it's a song specifically focused on one element of our faith, which is that our God is good. And that is not bad. There are songs that do that. And we sing those songs. And so what I would do is I would use this alongside another song or alongside scripture that would unpack more of it, right? And it's it's not bad because it's unbiblical and you have to clear up mistruths, right? There's a difference when if you have a song and you're having to kind of fill in theological gaps because it's so unclear or it's misleading that you know now have to make it easier for people to sing it or else you might be leading people astray. That's different, right? It's not as if you're doing that. It's different than that because in this way, it's just specific. And so all you have to do is help give it a little bit more grounding in Christ-exalting, gospel-centric themes. So whether that's bringing up a scripture talking about, you know, but God showed his love for us in this, that while Christ, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? So that's, that's bridging the gap of this is God doing this, being good to, towards us by sending his son to die for us. That's a great way to make it both Christ-centered uh, and gospel-centric or Christ-exalting gospel-centric. 
or, or anchored. So I think it's just, or you can use another song. So you could even go in Christ alone. And that would be a really cool thing. You do, maybe you do in Christ alone after or before. I would say you could do it before then and read that scripture saying, you remember that, that how, how God, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And how good is our God that he would do that? And then you sing about that in this song. So I think it's just, you got to be strategic when you do this song. So I think this is a good song. And I think it, it would be a good song to add to your church repertoire, but with a purpose behind it. You got to be strategic about it. And whether or not you think Bethel music is credible or whatever, fill in the blank, right? Listen to my Considering the Source episode. And I will just say this here. You cannot throw the baby out with the bathwater because you don't like the source or you believe that the source is inherently wrong or sinful or unbiblical. And if you do that, now you have to do that concerning all the hymns where their authors went astray before they died, right? Or even authors now who wrote songs earlier in like the late 90s, early 2000s, right? And then they went astray. You can't do their songs anymore, okay? So you either have to do that or take the truth in the songs separate from the source, which that's just philosophical. So you you just have to make that call for your church on your own, right? That Because if you are the one picking the songs for your church, you have to make that call. You will be held accountable, right, for your church, as I will be for mine. And so just, just take heart knowing that, all right? But also be challenged. You can't just throw stones at one thing while you're, you're piling up your other, you know, while you're not throwing stones at the other, okay? So if you guys ever have any song selections or, or once again, any questions or critique, just set it to Theology and Music at gmail.com. But with that, you guys have a wonderful, wonderful day and a wonderful Lord's Day. <laughs>